he began to teach them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown great mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. They will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, lie about you, and say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Be excited, because great is your reward in heaven. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. You cannot be hidden. People don't light a lamp and put it under a cover. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. <coughs> in the same way, let your light shine before men, that they may see your good deeds and pray your Father. Amen. The word of God for all people. Thanks be to God. Um, did you mention these? Let me mention these. The directories are here. They're in the back. So please be <laughs> sure and pick one up. They're on both counters in the back. Um, so we're back. We're in the second. We're continuing the series. Um, you have heard it said. And we're in the Beatitudes, which is from the Sermon on the Mount. And so uh, we're back with that. We're going to work through the, the rest of the of the of the beatitudes this morning, but I wanted to to talk just just to touch base on what we where we were last week because this is critically important because it's all about our identity as Christians and who we are, what our thumbprint is as Christ uh, is is a big part of who we are as Christians. So we need to know that, and we have this awesome ability to read from our our Savior Himself what it means to be a Christian. So He gives us this identity. He, he tells us what this process of maturation, what it means to, to not be a baby Christian. Right, Caden? Right. No, no, no bottles. He still don't have a bottle. That's good. Because we don't want to always be a baby Christian. We want to grow up and be a mature Christian. That's the goal. The goal isn't to always stay in the same place. It's to be moving along the path to be who God calls us and created us to be. And the awesome, awesome part of this is that Jesus himself tells us how to do that. And that's what we're spending time with this. It's why Brad is so excited. He's learning more and more in his group about what that means and what that looks like. When we're together sharing and, and working through the depth of some of these passages, we begin to see things, and God will open our eyes to, a, to, to, to the new thing that he wants to do in us. Jesus is in this process of preparation with us. He's with us. He's, it's not like he's over here and going, okay, figure it out. He's with us in the process of preparation in, in, it, in, in, this, in this journey that we're on. We don't, we don't do this work. If we don't do this, this work, then we're unlikely to be able to become and embrace the people that God would have us to be and embrace the path that Jesus is asking us to be on. We need to do the work. See, we see, last week we talked about this, we see that we're poor in spirit that we need God. We need 
God. And, and that we, we have brokenness in our life, and we have brokenness in this world. And if the, you know, it's another example this past week of the incredible brokenness and evil in this world. And, and that's going on everywhere. And so we mourn that. We mourn the sin and the loss and the brokenness. You know, it, when, when we begin to see through, through the eyes of Christ, it transforms how we understand things. And, and when we see how big this is, how big the evil in the world is, how big all that's going on is, we can't help but be humbled by that. It's humbling to go, I can't do all this. And we're right, we can't. But he can. So we become humble for the sake of God. And when that happens, and, and, and we get, begin to get passionate about seeing that transformation in other people's lives, that part about hungering and thirsting for righteousness, that happens because I, I want that. I want that in my life. I want to see the difference that God has made in my life lived out in the lives of others. I want you to experience that. I want to experience that more myself. This alignment with God's will moves our hearts to a new place. The old has passed away and the new has come and we get to live as a new creation we get to see the impact of that we get to see the lives that god is going to change it's no longer about us because it's about him that was last week this week we're 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 moving into kind of a it's a second half but this is a process guys i love that stott in the book he, he points this out this is a process for us of growth we needed to go through that to get to the place where we are this morning, which is, blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. Say that with me. It's an easy one. Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. Can I be merciful? Yeah, I can be merciful because I've experienced God's mercy in my life. In my life before recovery, there were times when I was not the best person. I'm going to tell you something this morning that I don't usually talk about a lot because of the pain involved in it for me. But when I was 18 and my girlfriend was 17, we got pregnant. And we chose to end that pregnancy. We rationalized it. We were doing a lot of drugs. We were young. All of those reasons. But it doesn't change that we made that choice, that I made that choice. We ended a life. Can I be merciful? Yes, because I have experienced God's unmerited mercy and grace. But I needed to experience the brokenness that preceded becoming willing to go to God in that humility and to let him know something he already knew that I needed him that I couldn't do it that I needed him and I spent years stuffing the memories I, 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 I stuffed the grief I'd bury the loss I'd pull it out every once in a while to remind myself what a horrible person I am that I could even consider doing that and let alone did it and then I'd put it back up, and I'd go back about my life, and then I'd pull it out just, just in those times 
to remind myself who I really am. And I was in a Celebrate Recovery meeting a few years back. And the person who was supposed to do the reading, in Celebrate Recovery they have readings every week that, that they do. And the person who was supposed to do the reading didn't show up. So it ended up, I grabbed the book. I hadn't previewed it. I didn't know what I was going to be reading. It was, it's a, it's a uh, recovery-focused thing. And so I started reading. And I started reading about this person who had done what I had done who carried that guilt, carried that shame for years until one day they were able to receive God's grace. So I'm reading this story and I'm finding myself reading words to this effect. And I realized for the first time that there would be a day when I would get to see my child. My child is already in heaven waiting for me his earthly father and he's waiting there with his heavenly father and I stopped reading I had never considered even the possibility of a God whose mercy and grace is so big that he would take one of the worst decisions of my life And he would still put hope in it. There is a hope in it. I made a horrible choice. And God's redemption was he found even there. Can I be merciful? Yes. I can be merciful. Because I've experienced God's unmerited mercy and grace. And because I've experienced that, I want others to experience it. I want you to experience that at a level. It's, it's just impossible. I want you to know how much this God of ours loves you. How much. I don't care what you've done because, I mean, he, he cares what you've done, but he doesn't care that he doesn't hang on to it, right? He wants you to do the right thing. But when we don't do the right thing, you know what he does with it? He forgives us and he extends grace to us. And he says, I know that that wasn't the choice that you needed to make or that you even maybe wanted to make, but I'm in it. I'm there. And I will carry you from here to here to here as far as you need to go, as far as it, it is necessary for you to go. I'll carry you when you can't walk. And I want you to know that. I know there's stuff in this room. Because life is in session, right? And there is stuff in our lives. God wants to help. God wants to carry you. Jesus knew when he gave us these blessings that they mean more than we can fathom. I mean, the smartest of the smart can't hold a candle to God. And these blessings mean more than we can fathom. There's power in them that opens up doors to healing, that opens up doors to relationship that is just incredible. They are truly blessings in every sense of the word. Blessings enable us to live in freedom 
unbound by this world or the things in it. We get to be free. It enables us to release the selfish motive and embrace pure motive, to let go of the old, to embrace the new. And I get it. I know some people focus, well, if, if you say yes to Christ, that means you have to give up this stuff. And the answer to that is yes. But you don't just have to, you want to. You don't want to do the, the things that you used to want to do. You want to do what God wants you to do. And, and when we focus on the negative, we're going to live there. But if we focus on where we can go with this and the freedom of a relationship with Christ, that freedom will lead you to incredible places. Right? Where the sun shines even on the darkest of days. We get comfort, inheritance, the kingdom of God in our life. We receive mercy. We see God. We're filled. We're children of God. We get rewards. These are the beatitudes that we're talking about. These are the promises connected with them. We gain so much more for so much longer. So much more. And we ain't even done yet. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Say it with me. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. In order to enter into God's presence, it requires purity and holiness because God is sin-free, pure, and holy. In the old days of the temple in Israel, what they, they had this place in there. It's called the Holy of Holies. So you could, some of the priests could go in the temple, but they couldn't go in the Holy of Holies. There was only the chief priest that could go into the Holy of Holies. If somebody else wanted in the Holy of Holies, they'd get struck down, as in dead. But even the chief priest could only go in there during certain times, certain festivals, and then, and then had to do a purification ritual because God is holy and God is pure. And blessed are the pure in heart. And we'll never be pure enough. God knew that. So what does he do? For God so loved the world, what did he do? He sent his only son so that whoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. That's who God is. That's the lengths that God will go to for you and for me. Jesus became that sinless, pure, holy, gap-bridging being for us. It opened the door for us to enter into the presence of God. Blessed are the pure in heart, and Jesus allows us to, to be that, to, to live in that. To, he's, he, it's his purity that we get to take part in. It's not about us. It's about him. It's unmerited. It's a word for the day, unmerited grace. We don't earn it. He gives it. It's a gift. Psalm 51.10, create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Cre create in me a clean heart and renew a, a, a right spirit in me. It's so powerful it's made into a song that many of us know. We've sung for years and years. A pure heart has no hypocrisy. A pure heart has no hidden motives. I'm not trying to manipulate you. I want you to know who God is. I'm not trying to do that for any other reason other than... I want you to know this, this relationship and how powerful and amazing it is. The pure heart is marked by transparency. I don't, 
I'll share with you whatever it takes that God has taken in my heart and my life and made it into something different. Whatever brokenness. I, I said, God, whatever you want to do, and he called me to ministry, he knows who I am. I said, it's all for you. If you can use it, have it. It's amazing. Transparency. An uncompromising desire to please God in all things. We do the right thing. You know why? When we're operating as, a, as, as pure in spirit, we do the right thing because it's the right thing. Period. We do the right thing because it's the right thing. It's how we can be merciful. And we want to be like God, and God is merciful. We're continuing, as you see, this Christian life. We're building this Christian life as one blessing leads to the next. We want to be more like Jesus, who happens to be, we sung it this morning, the Prince of Peace. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Think about what that means. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. You want to be a child of God? Blessed are the peacemakers. Be a peacemaker. Being a peacemaker naturally follows in this progression we're talking about. As Jesus literally laid down his life, laid it down to give us his hope of eternity. That regardless of what happens here, our eternity is set. And we have the opportunity to be filled with the peace that comes from our creator. Could we become true peacemakers without knowing that we need help from beyond ourselves? I don't think so. I can do it of myself. Don't need God. Don't need all this. But I need God. Can we do it without a healthy dose of humility? Probably not. Need to be humble. Could we become peacemakers without having mercy in our hearts? Purity in our hearts, pure in spirit. Without being peacemakers and without walking this path, I guarantee you the next blessing would be next to impossible because the next one is, is incredibly difficult. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people revile you. I love, yeah, this is great, right? <laughs> Thank you. Revile you. I love, I don't even, that word just makes me cringe a little bit. <laughs> Blessed are you when people revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your <laughs> reward is great in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. I don't know about you, but I generally don't go around going, Woohoo, I've been persecuted, I am loving it, this is awesome, somebody's been talking about me over here, none of it's true. I love it, thank you Jesus for lives. What? That ain't it. And yet, rejoice and be glad when you are persecuted. For your reward is great in heaven. Your reward is great in heaven. Jesus is pretty incredible about this. He, I think part, a big part of what he's trying to tell us is that if we choose this life, 
and we choose to live this way in public, guess what? There's going to be some people that aren't going to particularly like that. But you're in good company because they've been persecuting my prophets forever. Oh, and by the way, I was persecuted, and, and I did go to the cross, and I was killed. There is that. And here's the truth, is that that is a risk. If we choose Jesus, that is a risk. Now, in America, it's not as much, but around the world, you proclaim Christ, you might die. You might be killed for that. And I'm glad that, that, that Jesus is, is all about letting us know the reality of what it means to live this way. It's not just that we say yes. It's that we live yes. You get that? It's not just that we say, yes, I believe. It's that we live, yes, I believe. It's reflected in our lives. The great and wondrous thing is that we don't walk that path alone. For God is with us every step that we take. Now, I want you to think about what a Beatitudes person looks like. It begins by, we re by recognizing that we're broken, that we can't do it in and of ourselves and that we need God's help. We're contrite. We're confessional. We go to God and say, okay, I, ca I, I see it. I can't do it. We mourn the losses in our life. We're realistic about that. There's some stuff in our life that we're going to have to let go of that we want to let go of, but, but it's still it's, it changes things for us as we move into this new life. And that leads us to become humble. But through that humility, we see there's a better way. There's, there's the way of Christ, the way of the cross, and we hunger for it. We thirst for it. We want it so much, and we want others to experience that. And as we realize the gift of mercy and grace that we've received, we have this desire to share that gift with others. We want them to know what this is, what this life looks like. We don't have an ulterior motive in it. We do the right thing because it's the right thing. We just want it for others because we've experienced it ourselves. We seek to bring a peaceful spirit into our lives, into our world, into our school, into everywhere that we go. We want to be peacemakers. We want to see the Prince of Peace glorified. We want to see that peace spreading. And we realize that some folks are going to go, we don't like that, that you need to not do that. That's just fools. Fools believe in God. It's false. It's, show me God. You can't show me God. And we, and we know that there are going to be people out there who talk about us and talk bad about us, and we don't care because we're going to follow God to the place he has prepared for us. And if somebody don't like that, that is not our problem. That's their problem. Amen? So we follow God to the place he's prepared. This is the life that we're talking about. This is what it looks like. Jesus gives it to us in this Sermon on the Mount, these Beatitudes, and we're going to go further than that. Now, I would be remiss this past week. We saw evil come into the world one more time in Las Vegas. And I've been a pastor now long enough, and I've had candles and candles and name the victims and done a lot of those things and we need to honor those who died 
I think this one strikes home, at least for me, because I, anybody in here been to a concert? Yeah. Open air concerts? Yeah. See, it's not just that we, there's no real motive going on here that we can figure out. It's that that could have been us. I've been in that circumstance, in that situation. And, of course, uh, immediately we see the camps, right? That need more gun control. Can't stop evil if it's going to happen. And I hope that there's some kind of movement. What I do know is that if we continue to do nothing, nothing will change. Um, but, th- I mean, there ain't nobody out there that knows the answer is, right? Except there is one answer. There is one. The solution remains the same. Become a follower of Jesus Christ. Followers of Jesus Christ, people who live as he challenges us to live in this sermon that he's just beginning, by the way, in Matthew 5, would not do what that man did. A humble, contrite, righteousness-seeking, mercy-following peacemaker would not do such a thing. So if Jesus is the answer, how do we get that? two people. See, because that's on us. And it comes through engagement, however we can. It comes through participation. It's leadership. It's that servant leadership model of Christ. The end of, the, of our scripture this morning was beyond the, just the Beatitudes because we're called to be the salt and light of this world. See, in the old days, and we'll talk more about this next week, in the old days, salt had some purposes. Salt was a preservative, it was a flavoring, and it denoted purity. And in a bland, tasteless, evil world, salt will change some things. And did you know that darkness cannot overcome light? That darkness is the absence of light, and we are the light of the world. When we are in a circumstance, in a situation, then the light is there, and we are called to be that light. The world has too much darkness in it, which means we need to bring that light. And I was having a conversation with Corey this week, and um, she reminded me of something a gentleman that many of us have a history with says about these kinds of times and these kinds of circumstances. It's a beautiful day in this neighborhood, a beautiful day for a neighbor. Would you be mine? Could you be mine? It's a neighborly day in this beauty wood, a neighborly day for beauty. Would you be mine? Could you be mine? I have always wanted to have a neighbor just like I've always wanted to live in a neighborhood with you, so let's make the most of this beautiful day. Since we're together, we might as well say, would you be mine? Would you be mine? Won't you be my neighbor? Won't you please? Won't you please? Please won't you be my neighbor? 
Welcome to this neighborhood, neighbor. There are people in the world who are so sick or so angry that they sometimes hurt other people, and they're usually the ones who end up in the news. But when we get sad and angry, you and I, we know what to do with our feelings so we don't have to hurt other people. When I was a boy and I would hear about something scary, somebody getting badly hurt or something like that, I'd ask my parents or my grandparents about it, and they would usually tell me how they felt about it. In fact, my mother would try to find out who was helping the person who got hurt. Always look for the people who are helping, she'd tell us. You'll always find somebody who's trying to help. So even today, when I read the newspaper and see the news on television, I look for the people who are trying to help. One of the most important parts of growing up is learning to talk and play about our feelings. Some people wonder if Mr. Rogers ever gets angry. Of course I do, especially when I hear about people hurting other people. It's a beautiful day in this neighborhood. So we're called to be love our neighbor as ourselves, right? There were people in Las Vegas, and one gentleman um, in particular, he actually, and this is incredible what he did, he went to a truck and, and he, you know, somebody had left the keys in the truck, you know, and so he got the truck and he took 30, was it, that's our number apparently, um, 30 folks, I mean he transported 30 folks out of there, you know, while other people were running away, he was a helper, he was a part of doing something that made a difference. and. In our journey, we may never be in that kind of a circumstance, but we are called to be neighbors, to love our neighbor. And we are called not just to notice the helpers, but to be helpers. And so I want to close the message this morning with just a few moments in prayer. And as, as we pray, and I pray that, that you'll just kind of close your eyes and let God put some pictures in your head or a person in your head. So if you'll bow. Lord, as we take this moment, we pray that you would put a face or a name in our mind or in our thoughts of someone who needs to experience the freedom of a relationship with you. And Father, this week, help us to reach out to those people. Lord, help us also to not complicate it. Lord, help us to make it just be as simple as a phone call or a text to say, how are you? I'm thinking about you. And Lord, may some of those contacts, may they lead to a cup of coffee and a conversation. And may you, in the midst of that, work the miracle that you work when we're willing to let you use us. Father, we know that you, can, that you are the mover of the heart. And Lord, remind us every day that we are your hands and feet. And give us the courage of that conviction. Amen.